Hello, and welcome to our Secular Sponsor Speaker Series. Each week we hear from an Overeaters Anonymous member who has attained and maintained abstinence without God and has served as a sponsor to other members. The series also provides opportunities for secular OA members who don't have a sponsor or are interested in exposure to a variety of points of view to learn from the experience of others. We encourage everyone to sponsor others up to the level of their own recovery and to use these tools with each other as peers. If you are willing to sponsor or to work as a peer, please post a message at secular.overeaters.community at gmail.com. Again, the email address is secular.overeaters.community at gmail.com. For additional information about abstinence without God, go to secularovereaters.org. And now, let's hear from this week's Secular OA sponsor. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm a grateful recovery member of OA. Um, just a quick little visual. Um, this is my top physical weight at 335 pounds. Uh, here's another one. I've um, been in OA 31 years. I'm keeping off 150 pounds. Um, of the 31 years, I've been absent about 26 of them. Um, not back-to-back. I had three relapses in there. So the most I had in a row was 14 years. I now have about six years. And uh, but needless to say, OA has helped me um, a big part of my life not be grossly obese and not eat in a very crazy way. Um, so when we talked about topics, I suggested to Jim we have a topic called um, you know secular prayer or secular intention. And the reason is because OA is full of the word, is full of prayer language, and I've not been religious since I was a child. I've never found any use in the story that there's a God that controls the world or whatever. It just seemed like a like a, up there with a Santa Claus story. It just didn't seem to be make any sense or be true by any definition I could see. But here is this. Here I am, three hundred plus pounds, and I want to do this thing called OA. And the word prayer and God are every place. So like, you know, like, what do you do with that? You know, I mean, I'm just looking at our steps right now. Step five, admitted to God, you know, that's kind of like praying, right? You're talking to God. Step seven, humbly ask him to remove. That's a request to God. Um, Step 11, um, sort through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact um, and praying only for knowledge of his will. Again, praying. And if you read the OA and AA literature, it's full of, you know, pray for this, pray for that, ask God for that, ask God for that. And um, it makes it very problematic if you don't believe having conversations with invisible deities changes the world, or believe there are invisible deities out there that would listen to you and change the world. So all said, it's easy to just kind of just say, well, you know, scratch that out. That's ridiculous. Um, but equally, you know, I've always tried to think like, well, what can I take from OA and AA literature and thinking from my secular perspective and still allow it to help me? And so I started to think that, you know, some of these ideas have helped, but they just need a little reframing. Um, so, you know, the word prayer, and I sort of say, you know, prayer slash intention, you know, um, can be useful if you, depending on what you, how you define the word. So, Again, the, the, most of our language would say that prayer is talking to God, right? If you looked it up in the dictionary, they would say a conversation with God or something like that. But, but basically, it can also be thought of as 
just taking your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, and directing them in a way to do something that helps you, you know, independent of, um, you know, Moses or Jesus Christ hanging out in the astral plane, you know, deciding whether or not to take your request. And so that's kind of what I'm going to talk a little bit about. When you look at prayer, the way it's used, there's sort of, um, uh, can be thought of as, you know, internal or external. So external, you know, they sometimes call petitionary prayer, like you're, you're petitioning God to say, hey, I want this job, I want this woman to marry me, I want to raise, I want my child's disease to go away. You're saying, God, please do this, you know? And that's sort of like, you know, your petitionary or external prayer. And the internal is more like in changing you, you know, let me be free of this anger. Let me be free of this resentment. Let me be free of this desire to compulsively overeat, like change something in me that isn't going so well, you know, so sort of have an internal, external way of thinking about it. And so let me talk about, you know, sort of this internal thing first. I remember my sponsors, um, you know, telling me that when I was resentful of people and I came into this fellowship with a lot of resentment, things that I was angry about, that it was important to lower this resentment. There's this line that resentment is the number one offender, you know, that I, I'm angry, it hurts, and I eat over it. You know, I just sort of pour chocolate and whatever, you know, uh, junk foods and starches over stuff to, to quell pain, right? Like that's what we do. And so um, he would um, sometimes tell me to, and I had a sponsor who was religious, but I was also 300 pounds or whatever, and I wasn't really parsing stuff. I just didn't want to overeat. But I remember him one time telling me to, um, you know, pray for somebody for six times a day for 21 days to change me. He wasn't expecting it to change them, but it was to change me. And it was basically um, prayers of compassion. You know, it was realizing that some of these people that had hurt me um, had their own pain, like we're all wounded, right? Everyone has their own trauma from their childhood, from society, from culture. We all have things that hurt us. And that this person that, quote, you know, was to done harm to me, to have compassion for them and just to pray for their wellness. And so what that looked like for me wasn't a request to Jesus Christ to send bolts of transformative energy into this person, but was just visualizing this person, you know, at peace, visualizing them healthy and visualizing them doing well, just trying to feel kindness and love and caring to the person. And he said to me that if I did this six times a day for 21 days, he promised me that before day 21, I would have a shift. And lo and behold, it always happened. It like always happened. I remember thinking, how do I remember six times a day? And I would do it when I would wake up and uh, in the evening. And then I got, I ate three times a day. And at the time I got a snack at like eight o'clock. So I would just link it. I would cue it to those two things, you know, my food and getting up. And I would just take, like a minute, you know, and just visualize this person and just try to open my heart and say, you know, let, let goodness be into this person's life. Just let them have, you know, goodness and light. And lo and behold, every single time before day 21, these resentments lessened or usually completely went. And so, you know, what what's going on? Like I said, I, I, I suspect, I, of course, I didn't even direct it, say, dear God, dear Moses, dear whatever. I was just saying, you know, it was really more visualization, you know. But, you know, there's pretty good science now that, you know, they, what do they say, neurons that um, fire together, wire together, that if you 
practice something, it gets embedded in our brains. I mean, I'm no, you know, neuroscientist, but just, you know, repetition works, you know, like think about it. If you study a language and the more times you say a word in your brain that you're memorized that word, you know how to speak that language. Well, the more times you tell yourself a different story about, you know, somebody and look for the goodness in them, the more you feel goodness toward them. I mean, it's, it seems almost intuitive why this thing works, you know? So, um, and, you know, I don't like the word prayer. It's I mean, obviously prayer is so linked to religion, right? You know, pray for them, you know. So so I often just think of it as intention, thoughts, repetitive thought, you know, kindness, kind visualization. Um, I like the term visualization because uh, I think more of our brain is focused on the vision sense than any other sense. I think it's like the most biggest part of our brain. Sent, visions are predominant sense, you know. And so just visualizing that person well or healthy or happy or just making imagery that's positive, you know, seems to, seems to help, but you know, it can be words. It can be anything, you know? And so that, that worked. And um, I'd say I've used it mostly for anger, you know, to lower anger, because as they say, it is the number one offender. And, um, you know, in terms of the external part of prayer, like praying for things to happen differently. You know, I, I don't rule that out at all, not because I think, you know, again, Jesus Christ does it, but because who knows how the universe really works. And I, I'll give you just one of numerous examples I have in my life. Um, some years ago, I was hiking, and um, those of you who are local, they know Skyline Drive is one of the mountain areas in Virginia, and there's a hike called Old Rag, and it's one of the more challenging hikes. And I was hiking with the woman I was dating. We got to the top, and she pulled her ankle. Well, there's some boulders there, and she, like, twisted her ankle. And she's a physician. She was a surgeon, actually. And we had to go hike three or four miles down on a completely sore ankle. And, you know, we, like, I kind of helped her. She got a stick. And when we got home that night or to our cabin, her you know, ankle was like black and blue and it was horrible. And she's like, I'm going to be on crutches for two weeks. It was a really significant uh, trauma to her ankle. And um, just kind of for the heck of it, um, I put my hands on it and I just imagined healing, light and love going into it. I just, you know, I really love this woman and I just tried to really feel my heart and feel a sense of flow. And the next morning she woke up and there was no trace of it. It was completely gone. You know, like, like it didn't happen, right? And she's a physician and she's like, this, there's no freaking way that level of trauma goes away in eight hours. It just, it, this is like defies my knowledge of science, you know, she said to me. So, you know, what happened there? I don't know, you know? There's this thing called the placebo effect, right? And maybe she deeply believed that that was gonna do that, right? And, you know, we know that in science, right? You take a sugar pill and they tell you it's going to lower your blood pressure and 30% of the population, it lowers their blood pressure, even though there's nothing in it because they believe that pill will do it. So maybe she believed my love would heal her, you know? Maybe something else was going on, who knows? But, you know, it doesn't make me not think that there's other things we don't understand. And um, this isn't to get religious, it's actually to get scientific. You know, like one of there's been a huge body of science, you know, frontier science, studying things that are not well known, where they look at can human thought and consciousness affect things like like particles, like at sub, like atomic levels, and like scientists with like 
from top universities sit there with sophisticated equipment and have people focus on things and then measure, you know, uh, slit experiments and how photons go and all this little stuff. And one of my hobbies is reading about this and going to some of these conferences and it's out there, you know, how well has it been peer reviewed? Has it been, is it ready yet? Who knows, but very accomplished mainstream scientists study this stuff because they think there may be a there there. You know, you could read the journal papers yourself. It's frontier science. It may turn out to be true or not true, but so the whole idea that our thinking, our thoughts, our visualization could affect things is um, being studied by science, you know, it, it, with no, no need for a Jesus or Buddha or Allah to be in the middle. Just this is how brains may work, you know. Um, so, um, so that all said, it's important to realize that who knows, you know, so, so I just want to say that, you know, it doesn't need to be true. And again, I just want to emphasize the, the power of the placebo effect because the placebo, you know, is just a belief that something will affect you. And it's an effect, like it happens, right? Like, you know, any medical FDA approval, they have to take a certain number of people and give them pills with nothing in it um, to see if the real thing is better than the nothing because we know the nothing pills have an effect. And all that's going on there is somebody has told a story that this pill will make an effect happen. And it happens a certain percentage of the time. It just proves the power of the mind having a belief affects things, affects like measurable things like blood pressure and pain levels and, you know, neurochemical and bioactivity, right? It's, that's like as proven as, you know, proof can be. So that same idea that if we believe that for reflecting, thinking, intending, praying about changes in our emotional discomfort can shift it, you know, I mean, that's even simpler compared to changing your blood pressure, changing your, you know, physiology. This is just taking your emotions and moving them in a direction that better serves you or better serves your relationship with others. And that really is the essence of secular prayer. And so every time I am directed to pray or read about praying, I just shift it, you know, from that word prayer to directed intention, reflection, you know, the words are unimportant per se. It's just that there's this process of thinking and visualizing for a shift you know, in a calm, serene way with breath and repetition. Um, and, and repetition is key, like anything, right? I mean, you you don't get strong by going to the gym once. You go to the gym three times a week for many, many years. You know, you just, any changes takes, you know, uh, repetition. I, I love the line, you know, um, practice makes progress, you know? It's like this. It's not perfection. It just makes progress. And you make progress. You know, the resentment goes down. The fear goes down. It doesn't go completely away but it's better than it was yesterday, you know? So that all said, I'm now going to see if somebody would like to be um, a volunteer from the audience, so to speak, and I'll tell you what we'll do in advance so you can know and not be surprised that I'm not gonna ask you to be hypnotized and act like a chicken or something. Uh, God, that would get us all hungry. But um, in any case, so I'm just gonna ask you to reflect on uh, what secular prayer, I'm just calling it secular prayer, what secular prayer might look like for you like what's a way that you could do this that would work for you like what you would call it you know how you would do it like just think ask yourself what would be my secular prayer process that would be number one number two where could i apply it where's 
the place where I think it can make the biggest difference? Might it be the resentment with my child or spouse or my employer, or might it be my, you know, fear of something or my jealousy? Like what's a, what's a place where there could be some application to that process. And the third is to actually try it. Now, try it's a little bit weird in a group audience like this, but if you want to do the try it, what it might be like is almost just saying aloud, like what you're thinking. Typically, you probably do this alone, maybe with your eyes closed. So, and and if that doesn't feel comfortable, that's okay, because that this might be a bizarre setting to do that. But if you're comfortable, you could just say aloud what you're doing as you do it. So that all said, would anyone like to be a volunteer? I could volunteer. Oh, great. Okay, Bailey. So really just, it's really just answering aloud the questions, having heard what I just shared, what, what would secular, what would a secular pro- prayer process be like for you? Thank you for speaking, by the way. My name is Bailey. I'm an addict. I think it would be a minute or two of mindfulness breathing to kind of center myself and try to do my best to quiet my thoughts, which I'm not very good at. And then the verbiage I like is something like um, mindful, compassionate intention. Was the question, what, is it, what does it look like? Yeah, so the first, what, would be, what would be your process? How would you perform secular prayer, so to speak? Yeah, I would think about someone I have negative feelings for, including myself in that group. Mm-hmm. Take a few breaths to try to get a little bit centered, a few mindful breaths, taking in my surroundings, observing, looking at uh, the bubbles go by without passing judgment on them, just getting a little bit centered. And then I would think about the person or the community or myself, including in, as a person, about whom I have um, feelings of resentment or hostility or judgment. And whenever I see a person on the news or in a police officer's uniform or in my job culture that I feel really um, negative feelings toward, I don't know why, but I think of them as babies. Mm-hmm. And I think of like how before they turned into this, what I would consider a horrible person, they were this, this, you know, like Hitler as a baby, they were this, this vulnerable child. And if I'm in my higher self, I can actually have the generosity to think about what turned them into this jackass, but kind of do some version of that. Think about them when they're in their own pain, whether it's as a baby or as a child, Mm -hmm. And having that mindful, compassionate intention that whatever pain is making them behave in a way that I am reacting to negatively with judgment or resentment or hostility, again, including myself, if I'm that person, to wish them a kind of benevolent peace mm-hmm. um, and, and visualize what that would look for them. I, I like what you said about the, the the eye, the mind's eye, visualizing it. I think yeah. that's what it would look like. So, okay. And now the second question is, is there a specific person that you think you get the most effect or help you the most to, to try this on? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That would be my husband. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then the third, and again, if you're not comfortable doing this, no problem, but are you willing to speaking aloud, like, do it like right now, like just say what you might not, what you might normally say in your mind, say aloud so we can hear it and go through it sure. and take a minute or two and pray for your husband. Sure, absolutely. And I'm not shy about sharing because I've had a lot of therapy and I'm a hearty codependent. I'm really good at diagnosing people. 
without their knowledge or permission. Uh, I have a fairly good idea of what causes a lot of the behaviors that are very hurtful to me. They're how he has survived his own neglect and trauma in life. So I would visualize him as that little boy who is being ignored by his parents, who is being emotionally neglected by his parents. I would imagine him as that frightened, vulnerable adult man who is dealing with his own addiction and recovery. And I would just visualize, try to get it away from myself and what he does to me or doesn't do to me that I feel I deserve and shift it. What, what he needs that he's not getting, what he needs from himself that he's not giving to himself, what he needs from me that I'm not giving him that produces these behaviors and having compassion for him and visualizing, hugging him, not just now, but hugging him as a little boy, that wounded, neglected, lonely little boy that is still him at 55. So that's what I would do. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. So um, if anyone just either has any questions or anything they just want to share that they think might be helpful for the others listening. Uh, I'm Ed, compulsive eater in New Jersey and emotional eater, binge eater, late night eater. Thanks, Alan. It was very interesting. And uh, I have trouble uh, like wishing the people I resent, wishing them well. And, and in our breakout room, there were some other alternative ways of dealing with that, which I found helpful one was just to wish that they'd be a better person or you know just breathing and thinking about them or whatever um but one of the issues i have is you know doing things by myself i find it difficult to have to, you know to do everything you know the secular prayer or meditation by myself it helps I want to hear other people talk or um you know to talk to somebody and and if you know, if they respond in a sympathetic or empathetic way, I find that very helpful. So thanks again for your share, Alan, and for the meeting, Jim, and everyone else involved. And I'll pass. Sue, I think you're up next. Okay. Um, I found this helpful and interesting. I have a hard time imagining doing this for anyone six times a day for 21 days. And I also have a question. The person who probably growing up hurt me the most was my mother who's no longer living. Is it appropriate to do this six times a day for 21 days for someone who's no longer living? Or is this supposed to be someone who's alive who we might actually change our relationship with? I had a mother that used to ask me to kill myself. Literally, she handed me a bottle of sleeping pills and told me to take them. And I got into program long after she was dead, but had a lot of energy over that. So for sure, you know, there, I had a lot of anger around my deceased mother and doing this helped. And the six and 21, you know, that's what my sponsor came up with. I don't know where he pulled that out of, but the core thing is that it, it's repetition, whether it's so many times per day or so many weeks. And the real key thing was to do it till it works, you know, like until, and I can tell you now, I have nothing but compassion that I'm aware of that my mother was in so much pain. Her best thinking was for both of us to leave the planet together. That was her best thinking. And Alan, I want to just say that the changing of the relationship is just the icing on the cake. The real change is the change inside of you and how you are feeling. 
and how you have been impacted. I mean, I think to me, that's the main part of this exercise is internal change. Totally, totally. Uh, I'm Maura, I'm a compulsive reader, and uh, thank you for this session because it's been amazingly timely. Um, so I was just kind of thinking about how do I fit in six? Uh, I kind of feel a bit overscheduled at the moment, although it's, that's a lie. Um, so I can see myself taking two, three, four times a day of kind of sitting back, eyes closed, hands out, doing the whole good vibrations thing. I, I'm okay with that. Um, but the I'm kind of thinking, is this something I can squeeze in, like a traffic light or whatever? Is there another way of getting more <laughs> so that I can get better at it? Um, and I think the other part of it was for me, um, I was kind of thinking about this difference between survive and thrive. And I often define myself as a survivor. And I know that's a mean kind of like clinging by your nails place to be. And I kind of just want to have a serenity that goes beyond that. And it's like, I think you're asking me to be an adult, Alan. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> you know, one, one thing I'll just add is that you can be kind of tricky on things like you can do things while you're in the shower, while you're brushing your teeth at a red light, while you're getting good. There's nothing wrong with doing some of these things while, you know, we can walk and chew gum, right? We can, we can walk and reflect. Oh, dear. Well, I actually... Um... Since I, uh, I'm an investigator of all things, uh, while I was, uh, you know, going through my steps, uh, someone recommended a, um, a book called Conversations with God, an Uncommon Dialogue. Um, and the author is uh, Neil Donald Walsh. And I started reading this little thing with, you know, Conversations with God, thinking that I was going to, you know, like uh, learn how to you know, how to pray. And it turned out that the first you know, few pages was already exactly what I was doing. And I thought, hey, got this. You know? <laughs> but it was amazing. I mean, it, it just, you know, we can have a connection without having any God whatsoever. It, it's just the way that we internalize or externalize our, our feelings and everything. So I found that kind of helpful in a funny way that I actually, after the first few pages, totally satisfied with my, my way and put it down. <laughs> Thank you. I pass. Great. David, do you have your, uh, your hand up? I guess I just wanted to say something out loud for myself and for anybody else that needed to hear it. But I think oftentimes I am too much of a perfectionist and I'm sort of all in or I don't bother. And one of the dangers in this exercise in regard to that is if you think you have to sit down and meditate for a half an hour, you know, six times a day in order to, for this to have a positive effect. Um, I know I would never do that. Um, and I have spent 20 minute meditations where I have, not stopped my brain for a second and not really accomplished anything. And I've had one minute meditations that were incredibly intentional and powerful. Um, so for myself and for anybody else that may need to hear it, a lot can be accomplished in a really short amount of time. In our group, people struggled with the exercise. And I just wanted to say this exercise is very aligned with in Buddhism, what's called the loving kindness meditation. And you are wishing 
that others are free from all suffering, that they come to no harm. There are like four things you say and you can do it very spontaneously. It's not a big ordeal. Um, I have tried it at times and found that it helped. Thank you for joining us today. To hear recordings of other speakers in this series, visit secularovereaters.org. And while you are there, please consider making a donation to support our work.